Therefore, it's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Yes, it was a little different. Before last night, the Phoenix Suns had taken the court 4,373 times in the regular season over the last 55 years, wearing uniforms that accentuated purple and orange among a North American Major League franchises, a color combination unique to them. In many ways, it's a trademark. On Wednesday night, as the world watched on ESPN, the Suns took to court in uniforms that did not have a stitch of purple or orange on them, wearing their originative City Edition kits that have a base color of turquoise and celebrate the rich history of the 22 tribal nations of Arizona. While the uniforms were new, the formula was very tried and true. When you shoot the heck out of the ball, you win. The Suns shot the heck out of the ball from three-point range and beat a growingly desperate Golden State Warriors team, 130-119 to at Footprint Center. Phoenix eclipsed the 20 mark and made threes for only the 10th time in franchise history. They are 10-0 when they do that. Cameron Payne had six of them. Mikel Bridges, five. Three each from Torrey Craig and Damian Lee. The Suns probably needed to be that hot because one warrior was even hotter. Steph Curry was on a different level, scored 50 points on remarkable shooting, made 17 of his 28 shots and 7 of 11 from three-point range himself. The rest of his team shot only 39%. And once again, the Suns won without Chris Paul, who continues to nurse his heel injury, but every win without him could be huge later on. Head coach Monty Williams is taking the patient and lenient approach with Paul's recovery, and based on what we've seen at the end of the last two postseasons, that is absolutely the right approach to take, even though a vocal faction of the fan base might not think so. That's uh, Vinny's View, brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize, proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. I kind of went to the arena yesterday thinking Chris Paul was going to play, Mm -hmm. quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, They held him out again. I guess he's getting close, but man, they're not... uh, It's it's the exact opposite tack that what, what we've seen for two years, and that is... Chris Paul's going to play. He said it. When he's healthy, he's going to play. Yeah. He might be healthy enough to play, but he's still in street clothes. And that's, I, I think that's going to be a dividend later on. Well, I hope so. I mean, it, it, it is interesting, isn't it? And mm-hmm. and again, I think that I, I think it's it's one of these things where we've had this parallel conversation about the Cardinals and their offense looking and running better and faster with the backup. I would say the same thing about campaign when he's right. Now, I, 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 I in no way am saying campaign should be the starting point guard of this basketball team. But what I am saying, is that that there's I think there's a, a push and a pull with Chris Paul at this age and stage of his career. Uh-huh. I think you need some of the things that he brings, and you're going to need him at playoff time when really it, the game does become constricted and and more half court oriented. But there's nothing wrong right now with letting campaign run this thing at a faster pace no. because it's it's it, it's working. Now the night it didn't work was the end of the game against Miami when they needed a real mature point guard to calm that thing down and organize and and direct and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's not campaign strong suit. But you know, last night was a, another game from campaign where where it looks like it looks like he's rebound he's rebounded again yes. from, a, from a valley in his career, which has been the story of his entire career. One of the things we talked about the Suns with, with the. You know, lack of real earth-shattering moves that they made in the offseason, people pointed at that point guard spot and said, look, Chris Paul's getting older. This is a fact. This is something you knew when you acquired Chris Paul. Um, You know, back when they went to the finals, 
campaign played a huge part in that. He mm-hmm. was a great backup point guard. He took a step back last year, but that was one of the things people pinpointed. Hey, if the Suns want to get back on top, campaign's got to be better. Mm-hmm. He might be playing better now than he played at any point during the, the 2021 March to the Finals. You know, 29 points last night, and, and you mentioned it, the difference in styles. One of the things that we're seeing, or actually two of the things that we're seeing right now is you mentioned pace. They play at a faster pace with campaign uh, at the controls, and that's mm-hmm. not a shock because Chris Paul's a very deliberate point that's guard. That's what it but is. But the other big difference is Cameron Payne is looking to put the ball in the hole himself, where Chris Paul, when he was out there, has really taken a back seat. He's really eased up on the shot totals and kind of putting his fingerprints on the offense from a scoring standpoint. Um, you know what that means moving forward. I'm curious to see if, if Chris Paul starts to ramp that back up. Uh, there was other news that wasn't news last night with the Suns. Uh, Mark Stein, uh, who writes uh, his his Substack uh, newsletter, he tweeted out: "There's been some credible rumbles this week that the Suns have made progress on finding a trade resolution to the Jay Crowder saga. Crowder's cryptic Instagram story appears to uh, feed into that notion." That was followed up last night, quote tweeted by Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports, uh, who said, word is the Suns appeared close, appeared close to finalizing a three-team trade involving Jay Crowder prior to tip-off tonight against Golden State. Yeah. That came out like after the game, right after the conclusion of the game. I found the use of appeared in the past tense. Interesting. There was no follow up, and there was uh-huh. absolutely no uh-huh. details on anything else other than that. And, that and was there the, obviously wasn't a trade. No, and there wasn't. Yeah, and and it, that was the only place that was coming from. There was a lot of rumblings across the NBA. The 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 info the info merchants, Vinny. They all seemed to be kind of hovering around this that something might be popping with Jay Crowder, which is interesting because I thought I, I thought. Uh, Al McCoy's comments on the situation yesterday were quite interesting. I mean, it, for him to say, get this guy back in here if you're not going to trade him because you need the physicality. And but also, kind of putting the onus on the organization, why are you paying a guy full salary who's refusing to do anything for you? That's right. That's right. And, and but, but is he refusing to do anything for you? Or is the team just saying, stay away? I don't know. I, I, I don't that, know. That we don't know. Yeah. Because because if if you asked him to come back and then he still said no, well then you don't have to pay him. And I don't know why they're just wasting that money. It's a great question. You know, we went down that road. Like if the Suns did say, "Hey, Cam Johnson's out for a while. Jay, let's let bygones be bygones. Water under the bridge. Come on back. We need you." I don't think he would come back. He's the guy that initiated all of this, from what has been reported. And Jay Crowder seems like a guy who's pretty steadfast in, in what he wants. And well, we got and, yeah. we got and we got a clock emoji uh, well, uh, Instagram right. story. So so the easy the, the easiest solution relative to what Al McCoy has been saying, and and I've I've kind of been right in that camp myself. The easier solution is get a deal done. And and I and James Jones has been very deliberate about this. I'm not saying give him away, but but get it done. Uh huh. And if it's a three team deal, that probably benefits the Suns more. Because you can loop in a team that might want to move around some pieces that's not going to be a contender. I saw one proposed trade that involved Miami and San Antonio that actually came out to be pretty attractive for the Suns. 
Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, hopefully just that movement on the reporting of, hey, something could be happening soon. Yeah. Coupled with Al McCoy's impatience on the situation. And I'm not saying Al's wrong on it. I think he was he was pretty right on in his comments. Well, they do. Well, they do need that element because yes. it, one of the takeaways we'll get back into this later. I just my my anger for D.A. was bubbling up again last night. And it's because it's the softness. It, it just got to stop. Yeah, there was a couple of possessions oh. that really had to scratch in your head once again last night. Yeah. Uh, coming up next, the uh, Cardinals, for the first time, had to answer questions about the Eno Benjamin situation. He's now in Houston. How did they address those questions? We'll get into it next. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on this Thursday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, we're just always going to do what's best for the organization. Um, not going to get into a lot of details on it, but uh, it's just one of those cases. Oh, Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. <clears throat> and if you remember the timetable of this Eno Benjamin story unfolding, reports of uh, discord uh, Sunday during the mm-hmm. game. Monday, after the Cardinals wrap up their media availability and Cliff Kingsbury wraps up his interview with Wolf and Luke here on Arizona Sports, the news comes out that they've released Eno Benjamin. One of those one-sentence press releases. Eno Benjamin's been released by the team. Right. Uh, Knowing that they would have to answer questions at their next availability, which was yesterday, that was the answer. Um, You know, going to do what's best for the organization, not Mm -hmm. going into details, but there was a follow-up question because there were reports uh, Kent Summers and others had put it out there that uh, this was uh, frustration based on lack of playing time in that game against the Rams. From Eno Benjamin. How far did he go to voice that displeasure? We don't know the details, but Cliff Kingsbury did kind of outline what he thinks the correct way to do that is. I think each case is different, you know. I mean, it's case by case, but, um, you know, coaches want to do the best job they can by playing the best players they can um, and maximizing their personnel. And, and so sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong, but you have to be able to um, ultimately, you know, get on the same page. And if you don't like your situation, you, you got to work harder and um, do right by the team and your teammates and your coaches. And um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, you see it all the time in this day and age um, that it gets done. But uh, I don't have the exact answer, I think, like I said, it's case by case. And um, what I've seen is if you really want to be on the field, you, you earn the time and you prove to your coaches that you deserve to be out there. And I generally agree with the, those statements. Again, we don't know what Eno Benjamin did. And is it disappointing that a player who was a reserve guy who got thrust into a starting spot and played pretty well? Uh, is it disappointing that he would do this during a game that the Cardinals needed to win and were winning at the time? I'm disappointed by that. That he worked his way through sheer ambition and willpower to be a, a veritable, veritable success story in the NFL. There's something about this story that that feels a lot heavier than anyone is letting on. And yeah. this, is, this is kind of why I'm disappointed in Hard Knocks last night. Because if this started on the sideline, then then this should be something that's part of the narrative that's, that is shown two viewers. Um, behind closed doors is a special privilege and access that they get because they're filming and there's got to be uh, there's got to be a give and take. I'm not I'm not stupid enough to not realize that. Uh, but if this happened during the game in front of everybody to see if this is where it all started, I would like to know more about this because 
you can look at this and say, all right, clearly Eno Benjamin crossed some kind of line. He crossed some kind of line that the team felt compelled to unplug him from a story that was really good. And from what appeared to be real good service that he was giving the team. So what was that? I'm not sure that necessarily matters, but I but I think what this speaks at, it speaks on one end of real bad communication. Because if Eno Benjamin got that sideways about not playing, he must have had an expectation that he was going to be part of the game plan, a real expectation. And for him to re- uh, erupt yeah. during the game, a guy like that, who, as you pointed out, never really had issues at ASU, you got to wonder what prompted him to do that and what does that say about you know quality control of this entire organization then on the flip side you've got a football team where the quarterback has has gone after the head coach a couple of different times certainly embarrassed him once you've had d hop and kyler murray going at each other on the sidelines you've had other instances where it looks like there's not a whole lot of institutional control or fear of of repercussion among these players maybe this football team needed to put their foot down on somebody and someone just to say okay enough of this there are going to be repercussions. You might be out on the street if you if we get any more of this nonsense. That's the thing. It wasn't a fine. It wasn't a suspension. And it didn't stop he, another team from was taking gone. him up. No. Done. Yeah, that's true. The first the team with yeah. the first waiver claim too picked well, yeah, up. Right. And there were other teams that were certainly more accomplished and more competitive than the Houston Texans that were interested. I mean Kansas City wanted to bring him in. Um Seattle, now, I think. Seattle was one. Uh you know, we're, we're putting faith in maybe the Houston Texans did their due diligence on the whole situation. I think that might be a leap, actually. They did. Uh, they probably just thought I don't know. You would have to. If if uh, suddenly a guy that you go, Wow, that's a good player and he's just on the street suddenly. You'd have to ask the A. You'd have to get some sort of. You'd have to know what you're getting into on some level. On I mean, the we, do hard, have, we do have the Cleveland Browns Deshaun Watson that's situation. True. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> on the hard knocks, the Texans helped cover up Deshaun Watson. But that's, okay, but, that's, but that's a franchise quarterback. This is a backup running back. Sure. On the hard knocks thing, I would be very surprised if it's not featured in the next episode. Why? Each because each episode is sort of yes has a narrative that they're doing in a beginning and an end. I don't think they were going to show just the sideline part here without the conclusion that happened on a Monday. All their these shows end on the Sunday okay. of the game. I, I, all right. I hope you're right. But okay. If the Cardinals have a bad run game against the 49ers, one of the best run defenses in the NFL, James Conner doesn't go off, then maybe they use that as a way to highlight, oh, by the way, it's just James yeah. Conner and Keontae Ingram available it's possible, right now? It's possible. It's possible. Possible, but but to me, it just seems like this is such a such a meaty story in the moment yes. as it relates to this football team and everything we've seen. Because we've seen again, we've seen a lot of guys wondering what the heck is going. Where is my playing time going? And 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 guys are in and out of the lineup. There's a, there's a larger context here that as a football fan, I want to know. And I've heard people go, "Well, look, the audience the audience outside of Arizona, they're not that dialed into the day to day workings of this football team." And I get some of that, but. You know, Benjamin was a guy that the head coach went out of his way to lionize on and, numerous and, occasions. On numerous occasions, but that wasn't the narrative they were telling in that episode. Was the backups of the Cardinals stepping up mm-hmm. the offensive line? Colt McCoy. That was the narrative they were telling. So the, the you know Benjamin's part of it did not fit anything 
in the context of the episode. Right. So exactly. And so that's we'll see if they ignore it. Well, that's my well, that's my point entirely. It's a television show. It's it's a a series of shapes and visuals and optics and words to create a compelling narrative. It's very possible this next episode focuses on two things, the return of Hollywood Brown and their trip to Mexico City. Yeah, very well could. Uh, Kyler Murray was asked about the Eno Benjamin situation yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, grown. I've grown. You know, we, we had a pretty good friendship. Um, worked together on off season just because you know we're obviously right down the street from each other. You know, it wasn't really. Um, not sure on what exactly you know went down, but. Like I said, I, I can't really speak on it. I don't really have too much uh, knowledge on the situation. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury also said this about the uh, with Eno Benjamin now in Houston. Uh, you got two running backs on your active roster. One of them is a seventh-round rookie in Keontae Ingram, who's been you know decent when called upon, but he talked about uh, the running back depth. Yeah, I feel good. I, key, key's come a long way in a short time. You know, we got Corey Clement, Tyson Williams, who's really come on, and um, so we got four guys we think can, can handle it, and at some point, Darrell Williams will be back as well. And look, if you're going to give almost 100% of the carries in the offense to James Conner, if he's healthy, you should feel good about your depth, because you don't have to rely on it very much. Well, yeah. Um, and, and I think, I, th- I, you know what I think, too? I think that maybe in that game once they got the lead they thought okay this is let's just let's uh-huh. James Conner we trust him let's just roll him and and Eno has got to be professional enough to, to handle that kind of stuff and the fact, the fact that he wasn't is shocking to me and and that's why that's why I, that's why I just think there's there's a, a, a need and a demand to find out what went wrong here yeah but your point on the communication is not lost but then you look at other examples. AJ Green's playing time and availability. Well, his availability has been constant. His playing time has been so sporadic. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that went to seven straight Pro Bowls to start his career. That's a guy that's been described on Hard Knocks as maybe a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And we didn't hear peep one from AJ Green on his playing time disappearing. So why not know, the narrative? They well, were no, 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 exactly. no, no, no. There was a quote a week ago. It was it was not a it was not a, an eye popping quote, but it was something about how he and the organization had to get back on the same page. I'll have to find it. Okay. I, there, there is something. There is something about that. But it's it's certainly a, a more professional, mature yes. way to handle yes. it. There's no doubt about it. That, but that's it's just so I think unlike Eno. From what we know, and there's yeah, there's, a, there's a good track yeah, record. Uh, it is out of the ordinary and out of uh, character for him. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, Sarah will take us through the big stories of the day in the Rush Hour reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with the whole crew here. Here from the Akchin Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting, Arizona built for America's dreams. A very happy Thursday to all of you. Tune in and here. 
on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We go through the top stories of the day every day at this time. It's the Rush Hour Reboot, friends. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Hey. Vince Murata. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. <laughs> and Jarek Carlin. What? What? Yeah. What? Yeah, what? Okay, cool. Then Jarrett forgot to spin the wheel of Ben uh, Plus Gambo's electronic football sounds. <laughs> the remix version. Tremendous. We love that remix. Okay, we got a few injury updates yesterday from Cliff Kingsbury with the Cardinals getting ready for a big game against the 49ers in Mexico City. He said two of his quarterbacks are day-to-day. Kyler Murray with his hamstring issue and Colt McCoy with his knee injury suffered Sunday against the Rams. Hollywood Brown also has been designated to return from injured reserve. Cliff Kingsbury said that Hollywood is close to being day-to-day. So he didn't promise that Hollywood Brown would be available for that Monday night game, but he also did not rule out that possibility. Now, Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins haven't been able to play together yet. Uh, D-Hop was out the first six games of the season with his PED suspension, and in that sixth game, Hollywood Brown got hurt. Kyler Murray spoke yesterday about how the offense would open up for him with D-Hop and Hollywood Brown on the field together. I mean, if they're both on the field, yeah, it's dangerous, you know, along with Rondell, Robbie, AJ, uh, James. Dorch, I mean, obviously Zach just got hurt. Trey's got to get going. You know, the the weapons are endless. You know, it's just about executing, uh, staying on schedule. And um, obviously, you know, the 49ers got a great rush. Defense is playing well. Regardless of the record, we know what they're capable of. You know, they're uh, people are, you know, high on the 49ers right now. Obvious reasons, but uh, they're a great team, so... All right, guys, how would you like to see Hollywood and D-Hop deployed together on the field? Uh, Being together on the field is step one. (laughs) But I want to go back to what what Kyler said there. I mean, there's a lot of on-paper feel to what he said. The the weapons are endless. Yes. I mean, they've had weapons to work with all season long, and this Mm -hmm. has been a very much underachieving offense so far. So, you know, this could be an opportunity. One of two things is going to happen. This is going to unlock everything, and things are going to look real easy for Kyler Murray, or we're going to be asking ourselves, why is this still so hard? Mm. When they spent all of these resources on offensive talent to give Kyler Murray these endless weapons, why is this still looking so difficult? Right, and and so I, I, I think what I would like to see, I would like to see Hollywood Brown bring a real, honest, deep threat um, feel to this mm-hmm. offense. Um, the one thing I'm concerned about is if you look over the last three games, there's a real um, a real trackable, noticeable ascent of Rondale Moore. Yeah. Targets, receptions, production. Usage. Usage. Difference. Yeah. So I, I hope this doesn't throw them out of that lane that they're in with that. Mm. Now, Vince, of those two scenarios that you mentioned, what do you think is more likely? That this does unlock the offense or that we're still scratching our heads? I mean, we were promised to see a different looking offense when Hopkins came back, and to a degree we did, but that coincided was supposed to be fixed, with, yes. with the Hollywood Brown injury. So, you know, first first sampling of these two together, if Hollywood Brown's ready to go, he's not one of those situations where he's getting to get four snaps. Sure. It should. Absolutely, it should. Make things, uh, unlock it, I don't know. I mean, there's still defensive coordinators trying to do their job, but it should make things a lot easier. Okay. 
Let's get uh, to Hard Knocks in season. The second episode featuring the Cardinals aired last night. It gave a look at the Cardinals' uh, preparation in the lead-up to Sunday's game against the Rams. Here's a moment in the quarterback's room. Colt McCoy talking with Cam Turner, the quarterback's coach. Kyler Murray and I believe Trace McSorley was there as well. I don't want to go into this game if anybody has confusion on what they're supposed to do. But if we don't know what to do, and if it's not detailed and dialed in, then we're not going to beat this team. If we know what to do, and if the spacing's right, you do what you, you do your job. We'll beat this team. That's the that's the we'll beat anybody. That's the bottom line. So when we talk about like what can we do, it's just the, it's these little details that are just adding up. Hold up, wide out. And it's not one position group. All right, we're two episodes into Hard Knocks now. Generally, what do you guys what do you guys think about this show and what it is showing us or is not showing us? Is it serving the purpose you hoped it would? Yeah, I don't know if it if it has a purpose. Um, I, I think the it's it's very compelling because anytime you bring a, a football fan inside closed doors and and behind in an inner sanctum of a football team, particularly a football team that is so buttoned up now in terms of transparency and giving information, I, I think that's a great purpose in and of itself. I think it it, it makes people excited. Um, I, I think it's but it's also you know it's it's also propaganda on some level as I said before, and it's. So you've got to keep that in mind. I, I think that on the whole, I've enjoyed it. I, I don't like the fact that they glossed over Eno Benjamin. I know during the break, Jared said that he, he's got info that it's going to be yes. covered next week. Okay. We got a tweet from a listener, Blaine Clark. He says, the director of Hard Knocks already told PHX Cardinals last night that the Eno situation will be addressed on episode three. He said, it's shocking. This was on the post-show podcast. I did not know that. Shocking show podcast. Shocking is the word that he used. Wow. Yes. Okay. So I'll get that audio. Okay. Sorry. Tremendous. Yes. So not necessarily timely, but maybe we will see it. Um I guess. I guess. It sounds like we're going sounds the director like says we're gonna see it, we're gonna see it. He said there will be a segment featured in episode three. Um yeah. that's a good get by them, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um overall thoughts. I liked episode one more than episode two, but HBO and NFL films, they're not creating this for Arizona Cardinals fans. This is for football fans, and I think think Hard Knocks, generally speaking, is a much better watch for a a casual football fan who might want to see the inner workings of a team as opposed to a fan base that is hanging on every move and every bit of information on a specific team. Uh You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, maybe. A lot of this is like review for for Cardinal fans. But I I also, yes, but I also think that the way these episodes have been presented along with Colt McCoy's performance, that it's kind of shifting this pendulum to people blaming more of Kyler than Cliff. And Uh and I'm not sure if that is accurate or if it's dangerous to assume that. Yeah. By the way, apparently it was PHNX. My bad. Yeah. Sorry. Blaine tweeted us PHX. I don't know who that was. Blaine. Blaine. Jeez, get it together, man. Come on, Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. They're all re- uh, we're all rebooted. Thank you, Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot. Every morning at uh, 7.30. Coming up next, we'll get a closer look at the opposition Monday night in Mexico City for the Cardinals, the San Francisco 49ers. We'll check in with Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata.
Colorado Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Monday night in Mexico City, the Arizona Cardinals will get their first look at the San Francisco 49ers. First of two meetings uh, happening on Monday Night Football. Here to give us a closer look on the 49ers from NBC Sports Bay Area. Jennifer Lechian joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Jennifer, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing well. Uh, on this show, we'll be I'll, I'll be transparent right up. Uh, we've been okay. wa- waiting for the San Francisco 49ers to arrive. Um, you know, they're getting healthier. They're not in first place right now, but the feeling, at least we have, is that they're the best team in the NFC West, with no disrespect to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, what, is the, what is the feeling in the Bay Area right now? That is it that this is all coming together at the right time for the 49ers from a health standpoint? Uh, from a health standpoint, definitely. They're getting guys back. I mean, I don't think there's any team that hasn't dealt with devastating injuries this year, and they have. You know, they lost Emmanuel Mosley for the year. I don't know if Javon Kimla is going to make it back. So they've had some definite issues, but it does look like a number of guys are going to make it back for this game. All right, Christian McCaffrey, a bold acquisition for the 49ers. What is he beginning to do for the offense, and, and how? what is it going to mean for this offense when it all starts rolling with Debo coming back and all that? Uh, well, Christian McCaffrey offers that, you know, kind of multifaceted player aspect to the game, just like Debo Samuel does. But Christian McCaffrey has uh, finally, you know, not finally, but he's kind of gradually gotten more and more plays under his belt. He's such a smart guy, and he's getting more implemented in the offense with more and more plays as he spends more time with them. It looks like he has the full handle of everything. He has spent nights and days at the facility learning everything, and it's showing up on the field. Talking with uh, Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area here on the Arizona Sports Line, previewing the uh, San Francisco 49ers Monday's opponent. Uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo saga was a very interesting one going into the season. Uh, it looked at one point, as you well know, that it was fait accompli. He was going to be gone, wasn't going to be there. They end up keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance gets hurt, and here we are with the, the 49ers, blessed with a quarterback who you know doesn't put up huge numbers, but uh, wins a lot of football. Games, you know, in hindsight now, how glad are the San Francisco 49ers that they that things transpired the way that they did, Jennifer? I mean, they've got to be very pleased. Fans are very happy just because, you know, how often is it that a backup quarterback is the guy that's taken the team to two NFC championships and a, a Super Bowl? doesn't happen very often. So while I think they're ready to move on from him, just from a health standpoint, it's odd and kind of ironic that he's the guy who's healthy this year. He's very accurate. He gives guys the ball in space so they get yards after catch. And, you know, very efficient offense. He's played well this year. I think it's better than he has in the past and it's more efficiently left turnovers and it kind of was a slow start of course because he missed OTAs in training camp. This uh, 49er defense uh, can it looks real nasty at times, particularly the second half against the Chargers. I've seen them, you know, they've they've put teams in the lockdown in second halves. And this Fred Warner guy, I saw him in the in the preseason. I knew he was good, but man, this guy is becoming quite a player. What? How dominant are they? What kind of role are they going to play against a Cardinals offense that you know, we don't even know who's playing quarterback yet for them in Mexico City? 
<laughs> uh, the, the defense has always been the strength of the team. They spent a lot of money getting the defensive line built up, but there are some guys who have not played. So Eric Armstead, I don't think he's going to play in Mexico City just because of the altitude, the travel, the long flight, all that. But we'll see today they have their first practice in Colorado Springs, which is where we are, which is freezing. Um, but... Samson Ebukam set out the last game. Javon Kinlaw has obviously been on IR. So they've missed some guys on the defensive line, but Fred Warner behind them really helps not let guys get past the second level. And that's what they've been able to do so far this season. Yeah, kind of piggybacking off that defensive question, I'm just looking at the numbers of the yardage they've given up. And, and outside of the Week 7 loss to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs you know, piled up some yardage, but one team has gone over 300 yards. When you compare this offense, or excuse me, defense uh, for the 49ers, Jennifer, too. They're good defenses of recent years past. How would how would you rank this particular defense? Uh, it's hard to say without having everybody out there, but it does appear to be like a very strong version of the 49ers defense. They've played really well. They've stopped the run. I mean, what they did to the Chargers in the second half is pretty remarkable. I think it was 50-something yards of offense, only 17 yards on the ground. Uh, Nick Bosa was out there for all but two defensive snaps, which is really uh, quite a lot. He never plays that much. So um, he is, of course, in amazing shape and was ready to do it. And because Samson Epicom was out, he was out there the almost the entire game. All right, the fan base, the 49er fan base always travels well. What they did to the Rams at SoFi earlier this year was beyond emasculating, and now we're hearing that there's going to be tons of 49er fans in Mexico City. What do you think about all that? Yeah, this the fan base for the 49ers is incredibly good at traveling. They love doing it. They're happy on the road. I mean, win or lose, they always travel, and uh, they always have a good time. And it's, Vivid Seats told me that it's going to be 82% is what their prediction is of yeah. Niners fans versus uh, Cardinals fans. So there is a huge uh, contingency of 49ers fans in Mexico, and it looks like they're all going to show up for this game. It's a very expensive ticket to the average price is about $550 or $450, sorry. Money not an issue for those 82% of 49ers fans, apparently. Uh, Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area, our our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. A big picture with this 49ers team through through their first nine games, and again, they're above over 500. Um, What do you perceive, Jennifer, as maybe an Achilles heel, a weakness of this team uh, from your perspective? Uh, I think it's got to be the secondary. While uh, Traverius Ward is very good, he's a very good lockdown corner. He missed a little time with an injury. But losing Emmanuel Mosley for the rest of the season, he was playing really good football. So that secondary, if, you know, I mean, I think if they stop the run, make a, make the team one-dimensional, I think that that's their key. But their secondary is a little bit less experienced. So I think that might be the one thing if um, – just in coverage. Uh, they did well in the second half versus the Chargers, but the Chargers were without Keenan Allen and without Mike Williams. Mm-hmm. So if it's a high-powered throwing offense, that might be the one thing that gets to the 49ers defense. Uh, the interior of the offensive line is less experienced, but, but they've played really well. But um, I think, you know, that way 
maybe they're not opening up the run gap as much as they have in the past, but they're still pretty good. Finally, for me, what is the what is the temperature of the 40s, 49ers right now as they look at the Cardinals? Do they feel like they've got a score to settle if they're playing Colt McCoy? Would they be prone to overlook this team? Uh, is the fact that the Cardinals are on hard knocks um, peripheral fuel for them, knowing that they're that they're the opponent? What, what what's kind of the heat check of the 49ers going into this game? You know, the Warriors the are pretty good at looking at every week one at a time, every game one at a time, kind of um, not focusing on who exactly they're playing, but really just focusing on the fact that, you know, it's a scheme, it's, it's players on the other side. So they're not necessarily focused on uh, one player or the next, but I know that they're looking to see if Kyler Murray is going to play or not. They've had issues containing him in the past, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Jennifer, thanks so much for uh, making some time for us, and uh, appreciate Appreciate the insight on the 49ers. No problem. You guys have a good afternoon. Thanks. You too, Jennifer Leachan and NBC Sports Bay Area covers the 49ers. She joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, the second half of the show gets underway with some fire. Fire. I, uh, fire. I just wanted to make you do it. <laughs> the Bigley Blast is yeah. straight ahead. It's Bigley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.